welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Train Pipe Bomb Productions. I am Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and it's my honor to welcome back Mr. David Lafon, and it's also my honor to welcome to the show for the first time the best Golden Gopher that I have personally ever known, the pride of Minnesota in terms of sports writing today. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Carson Babini. Carson, welcome to the show, brother. Alex, my brother, it is such an honor to, to be on the show and to finally do a show with you. Um, and David, of course, it's awesome to be on a, the show with you as well. I'm excited. I can't wait to get into this Grand Slam edition of Dynamite with you guys. Let's, let's I, I hear you. David Carson, Carson David. I mean, David has been a wrestling fan since you know since the days of wrestling. I've been a fan since the Attitude Era. And in your case, I think you should tell everybody how long you've been a wrestling fan. Yeah, I've been a wrestling fan. I was a big fan in um, when I was probably in uh, high school and then kind of faded out a little bit in college, but then came back right around the formation of AEW and uh, been been back in fallen in love with wrestling ever since. Awesome. You said high school and college. What era was that? So are you like an attitude era or uh, ruthless aggression? No, I am more of. Um, so this may come as a shock, but I'm actually only 23. So I'm very much in the era of PG. Like, yeah, I'm very much in the PG era. Uh, poor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because in my honest opinion, WWE's last relevant year was 2007. And then it just got so bad that even I took a break from because I, back then I didn't really care much of, about Ring of Honor and all the other shows. But, you know, when I got back into wrestling, you know, I you know, got, you know, got deeper in the indies and everything else. But, but if being wrestling fans as we are, is we follow all the promotions to the best of our ability. And I got to be honest, this was like the first time in a long time that I really wanted to actually pay attention because I even falling, been falling a little bit out of, out of favor for AEW. And I, I got to be honest, boys, I was originally planning to wait till Friday, but I got to be honest, like the card we saw today, I feel like, no, we got to get this done immediately. So I think we're ready to get started. Definitely a good card. Um, some low points, definitely a lot of high points, but uh, always good to uh, cover a show right after it airs. That way you're still kind of riding on that adrenaline. So uh, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I'm ready to to dig into it and talk some wrestling as it was. <laughs> well, Carson, what are your thoughts on the card? Yeah, I've, I agree with a lot of what David said. I think overall it was a really stellar card. Uh, same kind of thing for, for me. There were definitely some low points as well as some high points. Um, but overall, I thought that, and I also agree with you, Alex, with everything that's been going on with AEW lately, I definitely have kind of fallen, fallen out with AEW and been a lot more attracted to the WWE under Triple H regime. 
Um, but this this was a really good good Grand Slam show, I think, to kind of try and get some of those fans back who maybe, like us, have been turned off by all the CM Punk elite stuff going on. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I, I regret to inform you guys because of, you know, how tough life is for me, you know, from a financial standpoint. I don't have cable, so it's nearly impossible for me to watch, but I was still following it to my the best of my ability. But here I am still doing the show, and you know, that, that's why I do what I do, you know, to one day be successful. But I feel like wrestling, doing a wrestling podcast not only adds to the potential, but it, it basically, for me, it's another way to just keep away from depression. But looking at, at the card today, you know, I was like, it's interesting how on the first night they have all the titles on the line. I mean, there is a there is actually a title match tomorrow, but, but the, the match that we saw today... So that, that's what fans are really most interested. I mean, Jade, no disrespect to the AEW TBS championship and no disrespect to Jade Cargill, but but I feel like the card today is that's what fans really wanted to see. Absolutely. Tonight was definitely the quote-unquote A show, I guess is the, the term you could use. Um, I mean, let's be honest. At this point, I think with the exception of what the, the return of CM Punk Rampage is kind of a throwaway show, I mean, I almost look at it as kind of like a Sunday night heat or shotgun Saturday night back in the day. I mean, occasionally they'll, you know, do these quote unquote dream matches to try to pop a rating or whatever. But I think for the most part, Rampage is is, is pretty forgettable. Um, but definitely with uh, Dynamite tonight, it, it had that card that I think even people who are lukewarm when it comes to the AEW product, I think there was enough names on it, enough intriguing matchups that uh, should uh, should should get a, a pretty good rating, pretty good turnout for the show. And I mean, what can you say about that that crowd at Arthur Ashe? They were they were definitely hot tonight. They definitely were. So the first match on the card: Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli, or formerly known as Cesaro when he was in WWE, a singles match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. And you know, I did an episode kind of giving my thoughts and. I, I, I got to be honest. I'm not totally, I'm not against Chris Jericho being the champion at all because, well, David, you actually have a reason, so I'm not going to take away your spotlight, but I just kind of feel like this was done way too early. I, I feel like the storyline should have intensified. Like it, it, it should have definitely been something that, that, that would go on for at least a few months. I mean, full transparency, I wasn't able to see the, the first part of the match. So, Definitely, Carson, if you were able to, to see that first part and you want to jump in and, uh, you know, fill in some holes. I think I came in right about when um, oh, Cesaro hit that, uh, was it that 20 Revolution uh, Superman swing? Yeah. Or the Cesaro. <laughs> the, I, I keep calling him Cesaro. Like, <laughs> you know, but um, I, I think it was good. Um, imagine it was your your typical match with. Claudio just showing that unreal, you know, athleticism and strength that makes him just a tomorrow uh, Scott Steiner's trademark a genetic freak and Jer- Jericho just kind of playing the uh, the stereotypical heel. Right. Well, Carson, give your thoughts. Yeah, I think for for me it was it I really thoroughly enjoyed this match. Uh, one of the one of the spots that really stuck out to me um, was. Jericho at one point goes for the code breaker or whatever you want to call it. I'm just going to call it the code breaker. Cause that's what I'm used to it being known as. Um, and then, you know, just the pure power of Castagnoli catches him in midair, lifts him up, pops him up and hits him with the European uppercut. Just a absolutely beautiful spot. But 
for for me, my main gripe with this match is going to be the finish. Um, I I understand that at the end of the day, it was to advance this uh, storyline with Daniel Garcia, and it looked looking more and more like he could go join the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, but the fact that the ROH title had to come off of Claudio Castagnoli in order to essentially advance a storyline, I just didn't like that idea. I thought it was way too early to take the title off of Castagnoli, especially after the match that he had with Jonathan Gresham and everything that kind of surrounded that and all of the, there was a, there was a little bit of uh, concern, I think among AEW fans uh, with that match because just because of what came out with Jonathan Gresham and now Gresham stepped away and now all of that for this short title reign for Castagnoli, it just doesn't really seem, didn't really sit well with me. 100%. Well said, Carson. And, and David, before we actually went live, you actually kind of gave your thoughts about why you believe that this um, this move happened, about Jericho becoming the Ring of Honor champion. Like, I mean, um, personal feelings aside, you, you have to acknowledge Jericho is a name, right? I mean, if you are wanting to, like, make Ring of Honor its own standalone promotion, Jericho arguably is the biggest mainstream name in AEW. You know, the average person probably won't know who John Moxley is or Daniel Bryan or Kenny Omega, but you mentioned Chris Jericho, and they either know him from Dancing with the Stars or WWE or Fozzie, so he definitely has more mainstream appeal. To both of y'all's point, though, I do think it was way, way too early. I would have loved to have seen some type of screwy finish. Um, You know, Jericho... You know, kicks him in the balls. Claudio gets the win by disqualification. Obviously, that happened, but if the referee were actually competent, which we could go on a whole another episode about AEW and the referees. But I would have loved to have seen some type of finish versus where Claudio hangs on to the title. You build it up for a little while. You could even have, you know, within that Claudio Jericho feud, which is a natural branch off of the JAS Blackpool Combat Club feud. You know, you could have Daniel Garcia in there with some interplay with that as well. So I think it's definitely something that they could have played out for a couple of weeks and maybe even do like a payoff at somewhere like Full Gear as opposed to just kind of getting it over tonight. But again, I, I think the point is if you do are wanting to start a company, Jericho's the best person to build around. And again, personal feelings aside, the idea of Jericho being the Ring of Honor champion while doing the whole I'm a sports entertainer Sports entertainer is bigger than wrestling. We all know Ring of Honor is about pure wrestling. Definitely kind of sets them with a a monster heel immediately and someone who the fans are just going to absolutely hate holding that title. Absolutely. So, you know, going that like that again, uh, so we kind of gave our thoughts, you know, like that, but. Either way, uh, as far as Cass- Claudio's future goes, hopefully, they, I mean, hopefully, the, Tony Khan doesn't do what what WWE did to Claudio. But, but now we get to the acclaimed ver- versus Swerve in our glory, and uh, I mean, the tag team action is always great. But David, I, I think uh, in your case, the finish probably didn't go the way you expected. And Carson, I'd, I'd imagine you you probably feel like the finish could have been a whole lot better. Or different, maybe. Yeah, for for me, my main my main issue with the finish is if this was the match that you were going to give the acclaim the titles, for me, they needed to go over clean. 
and the fact that you have the the whole thing with Swerve on the outside getting getting into an argument with Billy Gunn, and then Keith Lee comes over, gets the referee distracted. Billy Gunn hits Swerve with a Famouser, which got a huge pop from the crowd, which understandably so because Billy Gunn may be the most over he'll ever get his daddy ass. Um, but <laughs> I just. For me, if you're going to give the titles to the acclaimed, I think it would have been a whole lot better for me to to have them win clean. Um, I'm very happy that they won the titles. I think that that, for me, was a good call. Um, also, just a little interesting tidbit that I noticed on commentary. I really liked how uh, Excalibur kind of was talking with Taz and essentially said, you know, we've we've been there since since the days at Daly's Place when the acclaimed was just losing match after match on Dark. And now here they are as the tag team champions. But for me, this would have been the match that I for sure would have liked to see be a clean finish and just give the claim that no excuse, like certified title win. Carson, this is for you right here. And I hope you can hear that because this one's for you. I'm not kidding. I You can ask Alex before we went on the air. I literally said word for word the exact same thing you just said. <laughs> Yeah, the, yes, why yes, you do yeah. not your baby faces do not need to go over dirty like that. You need them to win clean. I mean, um, wait, because I actually have I have notes on it. I actually took notes for this match because I was really invested in it. Um, number one, swerve and our glory are great. They work so much better as heels, I think. Just swerve kind of being this smarmy, you know, smart ass and Keith Lee being the monster. The acclaimed came out. I mean, that pop was insane. Caster's rap was great when he made that line about glory holes. I spit my beer out. <laughs> um, the fact that an, it's 2022 and the most over enchant in an arena right now is scissor me daddy. I mean, what the hell is going on, right? I'm growing up the attitude era. We're like, you know, everyone chanting, we want head. It's not going to get any worse than that. And now it's scissor <laughs> me daddy. Um, Keith Lee is an absolute freak. Um, I don't know how in the hell that man does a Hurricane Rana. Um, Swerve, I love his character. I like when the Acclaim trying to do this, you know, the scissor thing in the middle of the match. He just ran over and shut that shit down. You had that huge pop on that soup that uh, when uh, Caster suplexed Keith Lee, almost brain bustered him. You know, Keith Lee with the Vader salt, the boombox to the head. Caster selling his knee, kind of doing that call back to the, uh, you know, Swerve always talking about how Bowen's knee let them down in the the future, the kick out on the power bomb, um, and then just that pop when they won was huge. I mean, I, I wish they could have pulled an audible at All Out, had them go over there, because, I mean, that crowd at All Out was probably three times the size, and that would have probably been the loudest reaction in AEW in, in, in quite a while. But good, solid win for the Acclaim. Love to see them at the top of the tag division. I can't wait to see them and FTR go at it. But like Carson said, I just... Because the number one, it's the second match in a row where it's a dirty finish. And the fact that it's your baby face team going over is, is never good because you never want the heel team to be able to be like, well, the only reason you beat us was because someone interfered on your behalf. The baby faces need to, the heels need to say the baby faces, you beat us because you were better. 
with it. Because if not, your faces lose all credibility. They lose all steam. And in this situation, the heels are sympathetic. You can make the argument that Swerve and Keith got screwed out of the titles by Billy Gunn. That's not what you want for your babyface team. No, not at all. And so, gentlemen, absolutely well said. And, you know, and we mentioned, of course, there was that, you know, they show FTR. But, of course, FTR has to be uh, ironically interrupted by who? The ass boys. <laughs> exactly. And they're, you know, they're part of the firm now, sir. Oh, the firm. Yes. They're the firm oh, ass boys. <laughs> the firm ass boys. There we go. I mean, at this point, we, you, we really, I do want to see, you know, uh, that match, the acclaim versus uh, versus FTR. You know, FTR holding the Ring of Honor title, world titles. I mean, I mean, they're they're, they're Ring of Honor, AAA, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I will take FTR versus Two Broomsticks. My opinion, the greatest tag team of all time. Hands <laughs> Well, for for me, you know, as far as you know, the greatest tag teams of all time, you know, like the the Legion of Doom, the Rock and Roll Express, all all that. I mean, that's way before me. I mean, for me, in my case, I'd imagine the best tag team for me probably in my lifetime would probably be the Dudleys. But they're my number well, two. I mean, at least at we least to, at least when, when I was a kid. A, we need to do an episode on tag teams. <laughs> yes, we do. I mean, yes, we do. And just you know, just everybody who's listening, like. If you're listening to the show, if you have ideas, let me know. I will be sure to actually make it happen. If you even want to be on the show, just let me know. I'll make it happen. So, yeah, we should definitely do something like that. So, so as far as it, it goes, you know, I think the match was great. But the only thing, yeah, again, that we had, a, I had a problem was just was just the ending. That you know, you you don't want. I mean, sometimes a babyface goes over by doing like that. If if the storyline's been built to a point where the heel has cheated the previous two times, but in that case, I don't think it was like that. Although I, I think recently they did unsuccessfully challenge Swerve in Our Glory, but but still like with that momentum going, that finish, I, I, that's a momentum that well it could be a momentum kill, but but it, it has a bad stain. Oh, absolutely, I mean they they challenged them it all out, but they lost clean to them, and now for them to to come back and have the dirty win, I'm just I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, hundred percent, I'm not. Oh, well, next match. Pack versus Orange Cassidy. You know, a lot of people, when they think of Orange Cassidy, they only think of the freshly squeezed, uh, you know, the, the character with the thumbs up like that. But a lot of people don't know that before he was Cassidy, he was wrestling uh, on several promotions. I think he was on Pro Wrestling Gorilla. He was also with Chikara. He was actually known as Fire Ants, and he was part of a stable known as the Colony. David, I think I think you know that because I think I learned uh, that from you. Yes, he, uh, him, and the Colony were were great. Um, and Chikara, which Carson, I don't know if you've ever looked into it with you kind of getting in it later, but Chikara was was absolute insanity. I mean, not to the not as crazy as like DDT, but they would have all kinds of cool costumes, and they had a tournament called the Trios Tournament. Which, if you go back and look at some of the lineups, I mean, like uh, El Generico, Kevin Steen, and I think Chris Hero were a team one year. And it's just a, a tournament of trios matches. And just the, the people who came through that company at some point, abs- absolutely insane. Brody, Brody Lee once, at one point, the late Brody Lee was, part, was a huge part of Chikara. So was Claudio. Yeah, that, that talent pool they pulled from was, oh, man, I could... I'm like I'm looking. I'm like, oh, kind of looking it up right now. Car- Carson Carl was great. 
Sorry, Carson, I should let you know, the more you come on the show, the more you're going to learn from either me, from Ricky, or from David, or from any other other well-educated wrestling fan. So, so I think every time you come on the show, uh, Carson, you probably should get ready because you're probably going to be going to school. <laughs> hey, I love it. I want to, you know, awesome. I want to learn more, and I want to learn more about, like, some of these other promotions that, that as I, you know, continue my my journey back into wrestling some of these promotions i might not have heard of so this is this is great i'm i'm just like a sponge absorbing all this chikara knowledge yeah i mean this is why i mean david i mean so david we i used to work with him and you know david we really bonded over our love for wrestling and david was always educating me and encouraged me to watch more of it and and david actually i I accidentally interrupted you so i deeply apologize for that did you want to go and finish what you were saying no, it was just you know, just I'm 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 kind of looking through some of the Chalkara stuff and like because they were active even at, even as of last year, where you had Team Pump, which was Scott Steiner, P.D. Williams, and Jordan Grace, Nick Gage, Thomas Santo, and Chris Statlander were a team. I mean, just looking at some of this stuff, it's yeah, it's 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 freaking great, man. But yes, Orange Cassidy and and Pac, who at this point can we just call Pac like Dynamite Kid 2.0? Dude is built like a just a stack of meat. I mean, the dude is just ridiculously ripped. Um, not I'm not saying I have a man crush on him, but uh, it packs absolutely insane. I mean, for for a in a wrestling fan's perspective, he's the kind of wrestler with the talent, the credibility, the charisma, the work ethic. I mean, he has everything that wrestling fans adore to see when it comes to being a pro wrestler. And a friend of mine loves Pac so much that he still is so angry at WWE for badly underutilizing the guy. Of course, as we know, when he first started, when he was with NXT, he was known as Adrian Neville. And then he became when he got promoted, he just became Neville. But, uh, you know, I think at first when they brought him in, things were OK. I, I think the first mistake is when they turned him heel. But at that point. They were it, he was being so badly used that like the heel turns kind of like well I mean and he was legitimately angry for so long and he became the cruiserweight champion and that's actually we got to that point where he supposedly I think walked out if I remember correctly it was because it's not it's because that he had to lose to Enzo Amore but I think it's because Vince McMahon wanted Enzo Amore to win via squash I think that's yes. a pissed off act. The, the the I think yeah because I mean they 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 build him up when he was Neville as this kind of Mighty Mouse character I thought the heel turn was great actually when he came back as the king of the cruiserweights and I mm-hmm. mean he came back just completely jacked and had, you know switched the purple to the black and then yeah he did walk out because he just he didn't want a job to Enzo which I mean you can completely understand but that's probably right around your time Carson uh, when uh, Neville was actually starting to get hot. Yeah, I I agree with you. I really liked the the king of the cruiserweights gimmick and just having Neville be like this, almost like this evil, like almost like this king figure who it was like nobody can stop me. And then of course WWE had to pull a Vince McMahon WWE and Enzo Amore became cruiserweight champion, and then there went the cruiserweight division. But yeah, I I loved that that heel turn. I loved the king of the cruiserweights gimmick. That was. That was something that I was actually really, really invested in. And then when I saw he went to AEW, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And so far, they've they've proven me pretty – I like to think they've proven me pretty right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the heel turn – I mean, 
Overall, it went good. I think it's just the reason why I guess I say I don't like it is because I just did not like how badly he, the fact that he he had supposedly had momentum, then he got hurt, he broke his ankle, and like that. I think it's just because personally, I, I felt bad for him because I was a huge fan of his, and I, I just didn't like the way he was being booked. But, but anyway, I think we got two we got two distractors. I mean, Cassidy and Pat and Pack are just so they're so entertaining, they're so great that you you just can't help it, but. But this the has one, been building for weeks, and I think, I think in this match, well, obviously, has Pac recently officially turned heel? Yeah, well, he's been heel for since he came in. I mean, he's been the bastard the entire time. And they also had a feud. I mean, it was I think it was, uh, was it either All Out or Full Gear like two years ago? You know, they had that three way with Omega. The very first title tournament they did after Omega won the title, it was uh, Pac and Cassidy in the finals, and I think they ended up being a draw, and so they ended up having a three way. Um, so they've always kind of had this animosity just because I think Pac kind of represents the the kind of old school wrestling mentality that, you know, some fans have as well, where Orange Cassidy is just a joke. Yeah. It, you know, Carson, go ahead and give your thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think... I want to forget about you. No, you guys are all good. Um, and I think, I think too, if I remember correctly, uh, Orange Cassidy's first actual in-ring match uh, was against Pac at Revolution 2020, if I remember correctly, because before that he was just kind of the guy with the best friends, and Pac was essentially just like, essentially challenged him to a match, and nobody really knew what to expect, and he started doing like the sloth roll around the ring and everything <laughs> like that. But um, as far as this match goes, again, guys, I was really invested in this match, but. Again, I wasn't a huge fan of this finish, um, but for a little bit of a different reason in that, I don't know about you guys, but for me, the the All-Atlantic Championship, this was its first real chance to, to be on the forefront of AEW and the Dynamite scene. Um, you know, it has been defended like on Dark and different promotions, and of course there was the zero-hour match with, with Kip Sabian, but this was its first title defense i believe on dynamite and yes for, for me when with this championship what i would have liked to see is just keep that match the same but just have it end end with a clean finish to make that championship seem a little more i guess legit in for lack of a better word i love the intense orange cassidy i love how much pack especially brings that out of him and just the, the early aggressiveness at the start of that match and those DDTs, by the way, Pac can oh. sell DDT like nobody else. Dude, he, he sold that one like the chick walking backwards on The Exorcist. I mean, it's completely fit <laughs> He really did. It was a beautiful sell. And I don't know. I just, for me, with it being its first title defense on Dynamite, having him hit Orange Cassidy with the hammer, and then have that kind of basically be the end of the match. It just, it devalued the championship a little bit for me in my eyes. Yeah, um, I I completely agree. I mean, this is the third screwy finish in a row. Um, and and like I'm and you know start starting from the top. I said you know Pat comes out, dude. And he, he just he looks like my kid 2.0. Cassie comes out, and I understand that Jane is like his song, but man, I missed that Pixie song, dude. I thought the Pixie song fit his character so much mm -hmm. better. Um, and the fact that he can do a kip up with his hands in his pockets, that's pretty cool. 
Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, may, maybe it's the old school in me, but I'm over the whole slacker thing. Um, the dude can go, man. I mean, you look at that match he had with Will Ospreay at Worlds Collide. Um, or as for shit, I got it confused. That's NXT. Forbidden Door. That match he had, or well, yeah, with Will Ospreay was freaking nuts. That match was insane. And he just, he has all this talent. And I get it. You know, it's the whole, you know, gimmick. Um, you know, the lazy slacker, you're great at a job. So, but if you don't really want to do it. But I just, I would love to just see him come out one day. Like, this should be that catalyst. Pack hits him with the hammer. He needs to come out next week. Well, Pack's in the middle of the match. Run out and just beat the shit out of him. And really kind of to bring that edge out and kind of start moving away from that. Because I don't think you're ever going to get into the main event scene with, with that kind of gimmick. I mean, we all know Tony loves him. Um, Orange Cassidy is one of the, you know, OG AEW uh, wrestlers. But I, I think maybe they did the story finish because they're trying to protect Orange, which I understand. But in that case, I would have much rather seen Pac lock him in the brutalizer and he passes out. He doesn't tap out. He doesn't give up. He still has that momentum. His body just gives out on him and he taps out because you make Pac look strong. You make the title look strong and you still keep Orange looking strong as well. Amen to that, brother. And and Pac being the All-Atlantic champion, in my case, it made me happy because when he was still Neville with WWE, ne- him being Cruiserweight champion was not something I really pictured. I pictured him more as as a multi-time Intercontinental champion. Because, you know, especially with you know these European wrestlers, especially from England. I mean, putting the Intercontinental title on them, it's always basically inevitable. If, if you're going to build them up at one point, they got to be Intercontinental champion. Well... One time, I get, if it's one time in a, in a respectively lengthy time, I guess it works. But because the all uh, the all Atlantic Championship guys, to be honest, it's it's AEW's version of the Intercontinental Title. I just think it, I just think it sounds cooler than Intercontinental Title. You have All Atlantic Champion, but Intercontinental I think sounded cooler when it was when they were more like traveling all over the world and stuff and you'd get like the title offenses in japan and everything but all all atlantic definitely works for um aw and then like the 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 uh the promotions they have partnerships with yeah but but Um, you you couldn't have been more correct i mean especially like that i mean you know you know know, for me like when i was at aw dynamite show in 2019 you know right before uh the whole uh the whole world, you know, went because of what happened. Uh, you know, they always. I think you were. I think you were there too. It was the first time AEW was in Dallas. I, I David, uh, you, I think you told me that you were there. Um, if it's the one where Jericho, the one I went to, Jericho fought Sean Spears in the chairs match. MJF announced that Jericho had to fight Nick Gage, and then uh, it was uh, Moxley and Archer for the uh, and uh, IWGP Intercontinental in a Texas Death Match. Yeah, that was actually last year, but I'm talking about like the first time they okay. were here. In, in I, no, I was not at that. I was not at that one. Okay, I will be at the one this December. Okay, because I did see Orange Cassidy. He worked a match on on Rampage because you know they do Rampage. Uh, they do Rampage after after Dynamite mm-hmm. goes off the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did see Orange Cassidy. You know, do have a great match and like that. I mean, he lost, but still, I mean, or, or, Orange Cassidy really is a guy they have to protect because the fans love him. I mean, we remember when AEW was first getting started when the inner circle was was hot. 
you know, always, you know, with proud and powerful attacking, you know, the young bucks, attacking everybody. You would see a brawl. I mean, we'll never forget one time they were there was a brawl and they go to a bathroom. Then all of a sudden, Orange Cassidy's just there, like ignoring it. We'll never forget when Orange Cassidy was pulled out from under the ring on a ladder. I mean, you guys remember that, right? <laughs> yes. And then Jericho got in a program with him and sucked up all his heat like some kind of wrestling vampire. <laughs> oh, the mimosa match. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that, we... yeah. Oh. All right. It, uh, before we, we go on the next, I do want to circle back because Alex, I know you said you're watching Twitter. Um, because in between the title, the tag match and that match, there was the uh, promo that we had with MJF and uh, Wheeler Yuta. Were you able to see that, Carson? Or were you able to uh, oh, see that, yeah. Alex? Well, if you guys have anything to say about it, go ahead. Uh, Carson, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I thought that as far as a promo goes, I thought that this was uh, actually a really good back and forth between the two um yuda to to for me wasn't really somebody that i thought of for his his in or his more for his in-ring work work i should say than his work on the mic but um i mean mjf is is mjf on the mic he's just so good and the i was i was very surprised with the at first i was very surprised with the uh altercation with tony shivani that happened um, but I kind of like how they how they ended up justifying it with Tony on commentary, basically saying, you know, he got all this money now from from Tony Khan. He's going to probably get fined for this, but does it really matter to him? He's got all this money now and he thinks he can just do whatever he wants with with him and the firm. Because W. Morrissey also came out after uh, Yuta gave gave MJ up a nice Fez press and uh, held held Yuta up for MJF to hit with the diamond ring. So um, I, I like how they kind of justified that. And I like, I like this idea of MJF just kind of potentially being, being this even, even bigger tyrant now that he has all this money. I mean, that, uh, that pill line about Regal. Oh, so savage. Oh like, my goodness. I mean, the, the thing that that's hard with MJF though. And one of the reasons I think they had him attack Tony it's, it's going to be so hard to keep him heel because people mm-hmm. love to hate him so much. Like it's, it's going to take him doing like, I don't, I don't even know what he can do at this point to get the, the cause even, I mean, I know they were in Long Island because it's Arthur Ashe, but he still got cheered when he came out. And I just, people love to hate him. He is, uh, he he's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, what's the dude like 24, 25, so we got like 15, 20 years of this to look forward to. I he he's MJF's probably the best thing in AEW. Sometimes I say that MJF was basically like a, an early reincarnation of a, of a Roddy Roddy Piper, like a combination. Oh, I would mm-hmm. say basically an early reincarnation of both Roddy Piper and Ric Flair because those two are basically perceived as the biggest heels in professional wrestling. So I kind of feel like MJF is basically again a reincarnated version of. Both Roddy Piper and MJ and uh, Ric Flair, like Rick, I mean, the, the dressing, the way he dresses, the rich guy. Of course, that's part of Ric Flair and the, the trash talking. But the Roddy, yeah. I mean, Roddy Piper was the heel that was. I mean, I always say like Piper and Flair, they they're not the same kind of heel. Ric Flair is more like the rich, arrogant heel, and while Roddy Piper was just an out of control freak who just didn't give a damn. <laughs> I think there's a little Jake Roberts in there too, man. Just his ability yeah. to. 
to psychologically like get the crowd to do what he wants. It's, it's just yeah, insane. absolutely. MJF is basically some is so unique. Like there never again will be another MJF. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'd be told. Well, I mean, I'm the best. So like that. And uh, and to Carson's point, man, this was the first time like. I actually liked hearing Wheeler on the mic. He showed some enthusiasm, um, a little, you know, a little, little bass in his voice. So hopefully, better things from him in the future. I mean, definitely, we know he's got the in ring, and so it's just him kind of putting that complete package together. And I think him being in that group with Regal, with Mox, with Brian, that's definitely going to help bring it out of him. Yeah, but speaking of MJF, like to your point when he said it's impossible, to, it's going to be hard to keep him heel. I mean. I just can't imagine MJF being a babyface. I mean, that's just like no, 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 no. Don't ever even, don't even, don't even tease that. But again, the fact that he gets cheered and the fans love to hate him. I mean, they boo him out of respect for God's sake. It's the situation is just so is so stressful. But uh, but I'm sure you know MJF knows what knows what needs to be done. I'm sure MJF can figure can figure a few things out. <laughs> I mean, he's better than me, and I know it. <laughs> yeah t- yeah <laughs> like that but anyway but now we, we get to the uh, four-way match for the interim AEW women's world championship now i know that you two listened the first episode i did i spoke about tony storm kind of how like i've been a fan of her even before she got in- into wwe from her time in japan and that how i was so disappointed in wwe that they tony storm was like i said not only the Big, a big thing in NXT UK, but Tony Storm is a pioneer and huge, impactful aspect of NXT as a whole. She goes from that, and then de- and then on the main roster, it it was just destroyed. And and at one point, I even mentioned like she she hated wrestling so bad, like like that. And so when she signed with AEW, I was just like, just please make things right, like because Tony Storm. Like like Rhea Ripley, I'm, I'm telling you, there's something about with Australian female wrestlers. They get trained and they get so good at such a young age because let's let's not forget Tony Storm arrived in WWE at such a young age. I mean, same thing with Rhea Ripley. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy, man. They they like the because I think too, it's just it's the the training and like. A lot of other countries is a lot more hardcore than I think in America. I mean, you look at like, you know, someone like Paige who started, which I'm sure we're going to talk about Soraya later, who started wrestling, you know, at 12, 13. And then you have where Tony Storm, you know, she came up in stardom. I mean, yeah, the girls over there, they start training at like six and seven. I mean, so it's, I think they definitely come out a little... They, they get better at a, a younger age just because of the culture and how, you know, in a lot of those those other other countries, there's a lot more of a focus on wrestling, I think. Uh, absolutely. And, and I did mention how there's that whole story with, with Thunder Rosa. I'm pretty sure, and I, and I still stick to my guns when I say, the, you know, when Thunder Rosa comes back, I'm sure they'll finish, they'll finish up the storyline and, and I spoke about how Ricky made it, made a particular prediction, and in Carson, since I know that you heard about it, so, so before we kind of get into this match, like um, Carson, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with you. Like, what do you see as the possible result of the the, the finish of the Tony the storyline between Tony Storm and Thunder Rosa? 
I think my my finish is more than likely when that championship unification happens. I think it's probably going to be it's probably going to mark the end of Thunder Rosa's reign and the start of Tony Storm as the undisputed champion. Um, from every from all the reports that I had seen, that was the original plan for All Out before uh, Thunder Rosa's injury was that she was going to drop the belt to Tony Storm, um, which for me is. I kind of have, I have good thoughts and bad thoughts on it in terms of I'm excited to see what a potential Tony Storm undisputed women's championship run could look like. But at the same time, I just feel so bad for Thunder Rosa in terms of her championship reign, because to go from that steel cage match with Britt Baker and, you know, all of the history surrounding that match with the lights out match at uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam, which was so good. Um, and then to have that that championship win inside the steel cage and her run as world women's world champion, it just feels like it was really underwhelming, which isn't fair to Thunder Rosa because she really is an amazing, amazing talent. Yeah, no doubt. David? Um, I honestly feel that AEW does not know how to book a woman champion other than Burt Baker. <laughs> I You're agree. not wrong there. You're not wrong I there. I mean, it's like Carson just said. She had this amazing that cage match with her and Britt. She came out with the mariachis. She's got the, you know, Dia de los Mortes uh, makeup on. I mean, she came out looking. I mean, that was a WWE type entrance. And yeah, AEW is better. Whatever. When it comes to production <laughs> values and shit like that, nobody could touch WWE. Argue with me. But I mean, that was a that, that kind of I was like a WWE pay per view type entrance, and then they had this amazing cage match, amazing finish, little bit of color. I mean, it was just oh, it was so good. And then what she was off TV for like three weeks, and then we saw her in like one like little 10 second squash match, and then she's in all these tag matches and shit. And then she has to relinquish the title, and she gets like a little 15 second promo for it. and I just I, I have zero faith in the the AEW women's division. I mean, Ruby Soho, she's gonna be a game changer. Where is she? Oh, she keeps getting injured by people who don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, Athena, same deal. It's like the only two women in that division they know how to push is Britt and Jade. Yeah. Um, so I, I just and I, I don't have any faith in it. Um you know, the of course the end of the, um the, the the finish to the match to me was was absolutely abrupt. Um agree. But I just you know, and the poor Britt Baker and her poor nose, Jesus, that she should have went into rhinoplasty instead of dentistry. I think it's like her third broken nose this year. Um just I mean I I, I love so many girls in that division. Athena Ember Moon is amazing. Ruby Soho is amazing. Tony Storm is amazing. I think Brent's a great heel. I think Jamie Hayter's future. I think that Madding Page is huge. Serena is probably the best technical women's wrestler of all time, but they're just booked like shit. It's there's no continuity. None of it makes any sense. It feels like all of it is done just because. It, it, it's tough too because you you guys know how I've been. I'm I'm a strong supporter of women's wrestling. Like, you know, Same. Like, I mean, all the talent. I mean, Nyla Rose, Hikaru Shida, Riho. I mean, you know, I think Riho's still recovering. I think it's a it's a broken collarbone. 
I swear, you know, I'm telling you, we talk about like, you know, wrestlers who are trained. I mean, Riho was you know, also another example who was trained and just super talented. I mean, you got such an amazing plethora of unique women's talent. And it's just so, I mean, the problem is, number one, it starts, that's what happens when you, saw, when you overload the damn roster, number one. But even when they first started, they had enough talent. I mean, you know, Chris Statlander did too, but Chris Statlander unfortunately got hurt again. Yes, sure. That is, that is well said. I will say Stat is, the whole alien thing was, I, I, I got behind it. But man, when she came back after that first knee injury, it was just Chris Statlander from New York, man. She, she was putting on some bangers. Yeah, I mean, Hated and to also, see her go down. You know, there's Penelope Ford and, and I really want to see uh, Tay Conti also, you know, be, you know, be really being that active. But I know that she's, you know, part of, you know, she's with Sammy Guevara and, and like that. But, you know, there's just so much talent. And, uh, but, you know, like like that, you know, and, and you're definitely not wrong about Serena Deeb. She is one hell of a technical wrestler. I mean, she is tough. Absolutely tough. I mean, Serena Deeb, you know, really, I mean, of course, you know, I think around the time that Carson, you probably got around you know, like that. I mean, she was part of the Straight Edge Society in, in WWE with CM Punk. But, you know, after that, you know, I think she went back on the indies. And then she, I think she did re- retire for a little bit. And I think yeah. she's had a couple of stints in, in the National Re- Wrestling Alliance. I think, she, isn't she a former NWA Women's World Champion? Yes, she is. Yeah. So, she's yeah. challenged for the, the ROH title a few times against uh, Mercedes Martinez as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell I, you, Serena Deeb is just, you know. I mean, don't be, don't be wrong. There were some really great spots in that match. I loved when uh, when Tony and Britt were, like, caught. or t- I think, actually, yeah, it was Tony and Britt. I think they were kind of caught in, like, a struggle for a backslide. And Serena just knocked their legs out from between them, and they both hit their ass. And that then uh, when she had, uh, was it uh, Tony in the half crab and Ember in the the uh the domino stretch that was great and man serena yeah serena deeb is she's she's good but i mean she's just i don't i don't in in ring she's amazing on the mic she's a little shaky and i I think that's a lot of the 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 women's division i don't think they have anyone probably with the exception of Britt baker and thunder rosa and tony who is a just all around total package um but this is, again, I, I think it goes back to how they're booked and how they're used. Oh, and like Marina mm-hmm. Shavir says, when the was it when the when you when the the violence play the the violence stays or God, if you haven't watched that promo on Rampage, that was fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. Or dark or whatever it was. I was, was gonna so say bad. it was it was on dark. It wasn't even on. Oh Rampage. my God! It was. You know me. You know me. You don't know me. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, which is it? Like, how do you be married to Roderick Strong and not pick something up? Like, seriously? Like, come on. (laughs) By osmosis, she knows something, but I digress. (laughs) Well, Carson, go ahead and give your full thoughts on the match if you'd like. Yeah. um, Mostly, again, I agree with David. I think that this uh, finish was very abrupt. Like, the, the fact that this match essentially just ended on a crucifix pin was just kind of like oh okay i i wish it would have gone a little bit longer because those are four really talented women um and like david said i just i'm super frustrated and scared about the future of this women's division 
And even with the addition of uh, Soraya, I just don't know if she's going to be the shot in the, you know, a lot of people that I was seeing online were saying, oh, there, she's going to be the shot in the arm for this women's division. But it's like, that's what we've said about like Ruby Soho, for example, like everybody, when she came in, oh, this is finally game changer. Women, yeah, exactly. Game changer. This is finally going to be what the women's division needs. And now she, and now the last match she had, she got injured fighting for the triple a mixed tag team titles with ortiz which within a stupid spot with tay and sammy that spot was dumb no yes the spot was incredibly dumb um but yeah i just i'm nervous about this women's division and also um you know going to kind of the aftermath of this match and also the soraya debut um are they just kind of? I'm very confused on what they're doing as far as this Britt Baker, Jamie Hader split, not a split thing. Like the crowd was even chanting for for Jamie as Britt and Serena were starting to do the the heel beatdown of Tony and Athena, and Jamie just comes out and it's like, oh okay, we're we're good again, and then they just <laughs> all start beating beating up Tony and and uh, Athena. It's like, oh okay, I guess that's not going anywhere but also guys if i may fantasy book uh for a moment to uh because i also agree with you that serena deeb is an absolutely phenomenal technical wrestler um serena deeb in the blackpool combat club i i, I would go with that um wow. another po- popular one that i've seen online jamie hater in the blackpool combat club and to your point you talk about the crowd chant for if you go back and watch all out she got a huge pop. Um, I don't know why they're... See, this is what, what frustrates me is it's like you have something like um, the the uh, Jericho and Claudio tonight, right? First match, boom, they pull the trigger on the title change. Over and done. But then you like the Jamie Hayter Baker thing. I think you can make a comparison to how long did they drag out Wardlow and MJF? I mean, like the the yeah. third or fourth fourth episode of Dynamites, there was you know starting like the third episode. There's scenes where MJF says something, and you see Wardlow with like a what the fuck look on his face. <laughs> and they built that for two years before they paid it off. They, it, but they, Jericho and Claudio, they wrap it up in one night. It's uh, it's yeah. I'm just saying that th- th- this would have been a good night to pull the trigger. Haters over. She she needs more. You know. And I think it was also in the first episode, like, you guys saw how I praised Jamie Hayter. I mean, see, there's actually, yeah. a, there's an indie wrestler in England that I know personally. He's a huge, he follows uh, my soccer show, and he's actually trained a few times alongside, and he's he's definitely worked it. He knows, actually, uh, Jamie Hayter, at least uh, I believe he does. I mean, he, did, he, he's, he, he said he didn't mention he knows her, but I'm telling you, Jamie Hayter is just, again, you know, trained, I, I'm sure, you know, got trained, you know, early like that, and you know, I remember her the first when AEW was just starting. She made a couple of appearances. She wasn't fully signed yet. She was uh, competing on the on the British independent circuit. She was also competing in uh, in the Japanese women's promotion, uh, World Ring Stardom, I believe it's called. But she did make a few appearances. It was actually her first appearance was a match against Dr. Britt Baker, believe it or not. And you know, and I said to her, and I mentioned, if they do split Jamie Hayter up from uh, from Dr. from Britt Baker, Dr. Britt Baker. Like I said, if they turn Jamie Hayter face, one thing that concerns me is do they change do they change her last name? Because imagine like 
could you have a babyface wrestler with the last name Hater? Hell yes, it's a great <laughs> chant. Hater, hater, hater. I mean, it's. I, I think it's beautiful. Hater's yeah. gonna I, hate. I think that would work perfectly. The people would chant it, and I mean, just. <laughs> I mean, it, it would just work. Like, I, I think it would work. I think it would work. All right. I mean, if, if you believe so, but. But really, at the end of the day, if, if they do, if Jamie Hader does go off on her own, I mean, I would just hope she, that they do correctly because she's worked hard. She's paid her dues. You know, everything, like, ever since she signed full-time, and she's very talented. She's, again, competed in Japan and, you know, like that. I mean, I, I think I think Jamie Hader's at a point where she needs to be rewarded for her, for all the dues she's paid, the hard work. I, I think it's going to be that time is you're going to have to start using her and using her right. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, now time for the main event. Well, actually, well, how how the hell could I forget this? We should mention. Uh, well, we already mentioned her name, but when she came out, I got to ask you guys. I need y'all's reaction. So, David, let me start with you. How did you react when Soraya came out? Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I've been a fan of her from day one. Um, back when you know she was in NXT, her and the matches that that Emma had. Um, I think her and AJ, AJ Lee are really responsible for that whole Divas revolution we saw. Um, I mean, I, I'm i a huge fan. Um, I mean, we'll see. Um, I mean, I don't, is she coming back as a wrestler? Is she going to be a manager? Is it going to be part-time? Is she going to get in the ring and be a liability? You know, I, I've heard different rumors as far as that, like WWE's doctors have cleared or Doctors have cleared her, but WWE didn't want to risk anything happening to her. Is Tony going to have that same, you know, feeling? So, I mean, I love it. I'm glad she's involved back in wrestling. Um, she is a huge, like, got a huge crush on her. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I freaking love her. So, I I hope it's it's good for the division. I hope she's happy. I hope it's, I, I hope it's good. I, I'm excited to see her back. But again, I'm very cautious just because of AEW's track record. All right, Carson. Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was as I was kind of watching this, and I I heard this new music that I had never really heard before, and I saw I saw this kind of black and like this black and black and white entrance uh video going. And I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, oh, this is kind of interesting. And instantly it popped into my head that this could be her. And I was just kind of sitting there like, no way it's her. No way. And then Soraya pops up on the screen and I just screamed and just went, oh my God. It's just, it's so good to see her back potentially in the ring again. Um, I was, you know, before kind of the, the high school run, I was also... Um, you know, in, in middle school, I got to kind of witness that whole uh, Divas Revolution era. And um, I really, I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed her work as Paige in WWE, um, especially her, her rivalries with AJ Lee. I think I would agree with David that they were both very much responsible for the Divas Revolution and the Women's Revolution. Um, so I think it's a really good addition to hopefully for the division. Um, but another addition that I do want to highlight, even though it didn't happen on this show, I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love the addition of Madison rain as a coach. I really enjoyed her, her work in impact as well. 
even even when she was doing the influence with Tennille Dashwood, she can still go in the ring. I think she's a great coach for the division and will hopefully improve uh, the quality of these women's division matches even more than they already are. So then hopefully uh, Tony Khan takes notice and starts booking booking some more uh, women's matches on the show. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, I think it was back in August when uh, it was announced that Rain was actually part of the, she's actually a coach for the, for the women's division, but she's also, I think going to be, I don't know if she's competed yet, but I think it, they did say that she's, there's also plans for it. So I'm not, I'm not sure where that goes. And um, didn't she challenge for the TBS championship? She did. She had a, a few matches. She had a match against Jane and I think one or two matches on um, Dynamite. Okay, so she has. Okay, so she has uh, wrestled. Um, but you know, as far as uh, Soraya, you know, I, I did almost say Paige because you know, to, to all the wrestling fans, yeah, we all know her as Paige. But look, if she's been cleared and like that, I mean, so the part that it's a liability, I understand because you know her, her injury was just was was bad, and it, of course, you know, like that. It, you, you, sometimes you're afraid of taking that risk, but. But but sometimes it sometimes I think it's gonna come to the point where if, if she's best shape ever you know better you know as a wrestler that she has ever been if she's really hot like really over then you might you, then I guess you might as well go with it but of course you got to take the precautions in the match there's certain things in the in the match that can't be done but I think it might come to a point where Tony Khan's really gonna have no choice I mean we'll have to wait and see but but overall I'm excited I mean I'm glad that she's back I mean. She's she when she retired as a competitor, she still had other roles like that. But I I really want to see her back to. I'm glad that she's back at, at a prominent role, especially if it's going to be on TV. Uh, I am hopeful um, for her health, just because if you look at like Edge, Daniel Bryan, Christian, um, you know they all had Edge. Edge's injury was very very similar to Paige's. So yeah. ho- hopefully she's a hundred percent and uh, just back doing what what she loves. So I mean, well. No. I know we're we're all happy to to see her and we're all pulling for her, but uh, so uh, it's definitely gonna it's 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 gonna be interesting. I mean, again, the the women's division, as I'm saying that, a post on my phone comes up about Abaddon, um, who is another another AEW women's wrestler that I really like. But I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens, man. Hopefully, they can they can build off of it and. Uh, their women's division is way, 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 way too talented to be in, in the current state that it's in. You're, you're damn right, man. 100%. So anyway, congratulations to Soraya. It's great to see her, and hopefully uh, everything goes well. And uh, hopefully the, hopefully her being there, you know, really convinces Khan to actually do a better job with the, with the freaking women's division. But we can only hope. So now we get to the main event. John Moxley versus Brian Danielson for the tournament final for the vacant AEW World Championship. As far as I know, uh, as far as CM Punk goes, the Young Bucks, Omega, the whole media scrum, uh, legitimate thing that whatever happened, uh, obviously there's been no update. At least not that I'm aware of. No, uh, like I think last everyone has heard is everyone suspended. Ace Steel tried to eat Kenny. Like <laughs> Nick Jackson was it? Nick Jackson got punched. Larry got saved. CM Punk tore his tricep. 
just a complete clusterfuck. <laughs> I mean, in every sense of the word. But hey, it gave us uh, Mox and Danielson. So I mean, you know, you got to look at the uh, the bright side of every situation, I guess. hundred uh, percent. Well, well, I'm gonna go in and start off with uh, any y'all's thoughts. So, uh, Carson, uh, we'll go and start with you. So, give us your thoughts, like what you saw and a couple of points, and give g- give your your overall diagnosis of of what you thought. I absolutely loved this match. Um, I mean, this this felt like kind of a Blackpool Combat Club style match, just super technical, in your face physicality, no bones about it. I mean, first and foremost, those chops from Danielson, my goodness, those things echoed off of off of Moxley's chest, and they were loud on on my TV. I can only imagine what they sounded like in Arthur Ashe and I loved I love that spot of Moxley hitting the Death Rider on Danielson on the on the stage Danielson's momentum just kind of basically rolling him into the ring and the urgency of Moxley getting into the ring scrambling for the cover um of course I really enjoyed the finish I just wish honestly I would have liked to see Danielson go over and get the belt here uh I felt like it was kind of time for him to to get a run of his own, but at the same time, I don't know if you could necessarily go wrong with either guy winning there. Uh, Moxley has been on fire uh, going back to the summer and his interim championship run. So uh, an amazing main event hats off to both guys. It was awesome, man. Um, I mean, the, both of them coming out huge pops. I mean, you could tell the crowd was ready for this, right? I mean, they just, Moxley, wild thing hits, and Danielson's remix hits, and I mean, we, we let's be honest, we all want to hear Final Countdown at least one more time. But I, I love the music. Um, it's just I, I love Brian Danielson. I, I think he's the best wrestler in the world. Um, the guy's just just freaking incredible. Um, but man, you you're talking about the chops. So their chests look like hamburger meat. I mean, these two guys went out there and beat the shit out of each other. Um, Couple notes. Um, I hated how many times they cut to MJF watching the match. Mm-hmm. Like we we get it. He's got the chip. If it was a money in the bank type thing where he could r- with run down at any time with the chip and cash it in, I think it would have been it would have made more sense. But I they I think they cut to him like twelve times, ten to twelve times. It's just, just completely unnecessary. We get it. He's watching. He's gonna fight the winner. We know this. Um, <laughs> normally, I don't like the spots where they just like trade. I, I thought it was great how, you know, Moxley chopped Daniel and he's like, all right, chop me back twice. And then Daniel just picked his leg instead and tried to take him down at Matt Wrestling. I thought that was great. I love that when they were <laughs> they were locked up in like the inverted surfboard and they were both on their heads slapping each other. I thought that spot was great. The Seth Rollins. uh Moxley throwing it back to his old shield brethren with that uh, that that stomp. Um, like you talked about the Death Rider on the ramp, that kick out after Brian rolled in, that crowd was hot. And then the the choke out and didn't tap him out, but choked him out. And just like that, John Moxley, your three-time AEW world champion. I would have liked to have seen it. That being said, it was a great match. Mox is an amazing performer um i i think you could honestly 
when this company started, I think if if anyone would have told you that John Moxley, Dean Ambrose would be the face of that company within like three years, um, they tell you you were insane. And, and here we are. We're literally John Moxley is the face of AEW. Well, obviously it's this point for me because I I would I really hope that Brian Danielson would win. I mean the ma- the match itself. I mean the intensity. You you just can't you can't even ignore. It. I mean, I swear. I mean, seeing that that paradigm shift on the freaking on the ramp. I mean, I was like, oh man, I'm actually surprised that it happened, considering Daniel Bryan's recent you know you know um, problems you know early in his career with, with concussions, which I think is what led to his uh, initial retirement. But man, it, it, it was the concussions. But man, if you look at it, he. Um... I really think uh, Moxley protected him good. He had that arm snug when he went over, and I think I think he did a good job cushioning him. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you see, Moxley is, is that kind of wrestler. I mean, despite his character being what it is, I mean, John Moxley has always been kind of a, has always been you know described as a wrestler, you know, very safe to work with like that. So it's good to see that these wrestlers definitely do their best to protect each other. I mean, so we got to give it, we got to give it up to, for Mox. The, the the spot that got me and that always makes me cringe is the uh the uh the German suplexes on the apron. Oh. Uh. I mean speaking of Mox, on the, I think my favorite memory of Mox is, is I think when he performed a paradigm shift uh on Katie Omega through a glass table. Or at least I think it was a paradigm shift. I don't remember what yep. it was, but it was it was on the yep. first ever episode. Yep. Yeah, it was a paradigm shift on that glass table on that glass table. I thought that was pretty cool. I also but, wonder if, you know, um, you know, Mox getting the title tonight is also because he was supposed to go on like a six week vacation until all the shit happened with Punk and the Elite. So canceled his vacation, stepped up for the company. So it may have just been, um, you know, um, you know, Tony saying like, thanks, here's the belt, hold it until MJF takes it from you in full gear. If that happens, I'll be honest, I don't I, I don't like it. I'm sorry, but. I, I, I just I, I won't like it, but it's probably gonna happen. And if it when it does happen, I'll be here talking about it. Hopefully hopefully with you two. <laughs> Honestly, Alex, I think I agree with you. I think if if you are going that route, it, the the thing is though, I think it would be hard either way because I think I think we all agree no matter what happens here, what no matter what happened with this main event, MJF is taking the title at full gear. So the, it feels like you're kind of caught in in a scenario of do you give Brian Danielson the title and let him have a title reign that goes for two months before dropping it to MJF, or do you give it to John Moxley, let him have his third title reign, but again, this is kind of the same thing, only having it last two months and then dropping it to MJF. It feels like kind of, you know, it feels like Tony kind of backed himself into a corner on that. I would have loved to have seen it all out when MJF plays that voicemail. At the very end of it, Tony says something to the the point of, and you know what, for one night only, you can cash the chip in whenever you want. And at the end of the Punk Moxley match, MJF cashes in then. So you go into that dynamite. doesn't matter what happens with the scrum. Punk's no longer in the title picture. The elite, I mean, all that shit still plays out the same. Moxley gets to take his vacation. You got Danielson chasing MJF for the title. That's money. That's money. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've pretty much, you know, got the whole, uh, especially night one, uh, covered. Uh, and, and I, I got to be honest, you know, again, the fact that I did this episode tonight, I mean, so I, again, at first I thought about waiting, but I got to be honest, guys, as we close it out, I mean, the card on Rampage, it's there's only really two matches that I have, that I have, that I have an interest in. That would be Sting and Darby Allen versus the House of Black, and then Kingston versus Guevara. So I mean, so you guys know my thoughts on uh, on the night two of, of the Grand Slam. But uh, the last thing where we uh, the last thing before we close it out is I need y'all I need y'all I need y'all's thoughts. Excuse me. And uh, David, uh, let's start with you. So you're about the upcoming Rampage card. Yeah. Um. It was it Jade Cargill versus Diamante. Um, I mean, it, is there is there any doubt that Jade's gonna win? And who was that Trina chick that Jade or Diamante brought out tonight? Like, she's a real OG Trina or something, but no one knows who it is. I think she's a rapper, but I have yeah. no clue. I was kind of the same way. I was like, she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm bringing I'm bringing the OG baddie Trina." I'm like, who? <laughs> oh wow! I just realized it's a tape, so actually the spoiler is already up for it. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Um, not gonna reveal them for all of our listeners. We don't want to do that. But um, I mean, the only match I think I would legitimately care about if we were to watch it would be, um, I mean, staying in Derby against uh, Buddy and Brody. It's gonna be your, you know, your your typical Darby Allen type match. I mean. You know, I'm sure there's going to be a skateboard, there's going to be thumbtacks, there's going to be body bags, so House of Black, there's going to be mist, there's going to be kicks. I imagine Sting and Darby come out on top. I'm sorry, I'm I not from Action, Bronson, and Hook against Parker and Menard. Uh, I'd rather see Hook choking people out in real matches and one-on-one situations. Was it, I think, Wardlow and Samoa Joe were taking on Tony Nese and Josh Woods. That should be good. The team of War Joe seems awesome. Jade Cargill, Diamante, no question there. The only one that I'd really want to see would be Kingston and Guevara, man. Um, Eddie Kingston is that he is the hero of fat dudes everywhere. And we love that portly <laughs> son bitch. Um, Eddie, if you're hearing this, all in good fun, brother. I love you, dude. You're being open and honest about your mental health on the mic skills and in the ring. I love Eddie Kingston. And uh, it will be exciting just to see him just smack the shit out of Sammy Global. Carson? Yeah, I would agree with you guys. Uh, the the no DQ match between Sting and Darby and the House of Black, I think, will be a lot of fun. Um, I think, you know, Kingston and Guevara, I think we'll have a lot of hype around it, just considering the backstage stuff that had happened and considering, I don't know about you guys, but I honestly thought we might not get this match. Uh, so I'm very excited that it's happening. Um, the the other matches that I kind of have my eye on on this card, I think Hobbs versus Starks, I believe that's going to be a lights out match. Uh, I think Ooh, that I forgot should, about that. I think that should be pretty good. Hopefully that'll potentially bring bring an end to their feud. Um, I'd like to see Ricky potentially take the win there, but I don't. I think I don't think you could go wrong either way. Uh, and then. Uh, call me crazy, but uh, Ray Phoenix versus Jungle Boy really kind of piques my interest. Having them go one on one in a single setting instead of doing it as part of Jurassic Express or the Lucha Brothers, I think that could be some high flying fun uh, in that match as well. 
I feel like they added a bunch of matches at the last minute that I just realized. Um, yeah, Jungle Boy and Lucha, that or Jungle Boy and Lucha, Jesus. Jungle Boy and Ray <laughs> Phoenix, that should be a good one as well. Um, I, 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 I like... I like Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Let's, let's put it that way. That kind of that edge he's starting to get is great, and Ray Phoenix is always entertaining. So, yeah. So, and last thing I want to say, I mean, the fact that we have MJF with the chip, and then there's a battle royale for a, a golden ticket battle royale for a future AEW World Championship match. So I'm just like, so oh. they're gonna have two people with the exact same gimmick, basically. <laughs> Exactly. That's why I'm just like. That's why I'm so dumped. I don't even know what the hell's going on here. Lazy booking. <laughs> yeah, do the, well, there do you the go. rankings even matter? <laughs> Dude, FTR's been the number one team since April, and they even mentioned that tonight, and they still haven't gotten a shot. So no, I don't think it does. And you know, wins and losses are going to matter, and we're going to have clearly defined faces and heels. And <laughs> neither one of those things have happened. No, none of them. Yeah, we've got our number one contenders since April. They're they're really over, putting them against another really over team who just became tag team champions. Nah, they're gonna go into a feud with the ass boys. Like, what? Yeah. I said I I I understand what Tony's trying to do, but man, he, he needs to get someone in there with some booking experience. I mean, someone who knows who's done this before. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he's got a lot of good thoughts the first year, but uh, I just because dude, I I love wrestling. I love good wrestling. When it when AEW first started, man, and WWE was just a simmering pile of Vince McMahon dribbling shit. AEW was like a godsend, and I, I don't want to <laughs> see it go that that same way. Because I'm sorry, dude, WWE right now is with the whole Triple H regime. It is it's firing at all cylinders. Um, AEW has had a number of chances. To just like take over and I just I feel like they keep dropping the ball and they they have an amazing roster they have some amazing talent guys who can put on amazing matches they just need to stick with their original plan and I don't feel like they're doing that nope not at all well Carson uh, any final words want to tell the folks uh, about the your baseball podcast yeah, if you guys are uh, if you guys are also baseball fans and uh, want want to hear that, I've also got a baseball podcast uh, called the Eighth Inning Stretch that I do uh, with my co-host AJ Rattel. Um, it's a Red Sox fan and a Twins fan. If you ever thought that combination would work, uh, new episodes come out on Mondays and Fridays. So uh, give us give us a check out on Twitter as well at Eighth Inning Pod if you guys feel so inclined. And I do strongly recommend people taking a listen because it's a hell of a show. It's probably my, the best baseball podcast I've ever listened to. So, Carson, keep up the good, good work with that, and I would love to be on as, as, as soon as possible. Uh, David, any final words? No. Um, again, a great uh, – overall, you know, I'm going to give the show a seven. I think it was a good show. It was a great card. The execution on a lot of the matches was a little disappointing. Lots of dirty finishes. Um, but you know, hopefully they can clean it up. Um, feel free to follow me on Twitter as well. I am at it's underscore all underscore taken. Olan Johnson, um, expect a lot of wrestling magic, the gathering Chicago bears info. Um, and just tell your friends about the, uh, ringside chaos. Let's get this podcast popping as it were. Uh, let's get the word out and, uh, 
tune in with us for all your wrestling uh, needs, know-how, and information. And let's be honest, we're the only podcast with a talking bear. <laughs> well, there's several other ones, but uh, you know, but as far as wrestling, yeah, you're the only wrestling podcast <laughs> with a talking bear. Excuse me. All right. Well, also, gentlemen, thank you. And just to remind everybody that um, the show is also available on Spotify. It's also on YouTube. It's on Google Podcast. Show is slowly building, but it's also available on a total of 15 total streaming platforms. So please uh, look it up. Keep listening. Share it out. Spread the love. Building of This Is My Life. So all the support I can get is strongly appreciated. Gentlemen, thank you so very much for coming on, and I cannot wait to have you guys on again soon. Sounds good. I can't wait, y'all. Have a great night. Love, peace, and hair grease, y'all. A pleasure, gentlemen.